Man ain't like it, dog. And when I say man, I'm talking about man is in mankind, not man is in men. As men, well, we a lot like a dog. You know, we like to piss on things, sniff a bitch when we can, even get a little pink heart on the way they do. And we tattoo it as shit, you know, we gonna protect our own. But man, he know about death. Got him a sense of history. Got religion. See, dog, man, dog don't know shit about no birthdays or Christmas or Easter Bunny and none of that shit. One day God gonna come calling, so you know they going through life carefree. But people like you and me, man, we 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 always guessing, wondering, what if? You know what I mean? Jeremy. Generation loss. <laughs> Let's get right into wow, it. Wow, it really worked. <laughs> we nailed that one. <laughs> we couldn't have done that remote is the thing. No. That's that's really the key is that because we're back in person again, we can do that sort of bit. We have we to We couldn't have done it, it otherwise. <laughs> um, yes. Hello. Welcome back to Generation Loss. You know the show. Hello. Hello. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. It's been apparently over two months several months many many uh sicknesses illnesses uh of many different people but we're we're back in the saddle we're talking about our favorite movies yes um Um, those by or featuring black people (laughs) yes it is february and you know what that means black history it's black history month everybody and i think we could all agree we we want to know why isn't there a black history year. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Why is there no black history year? Yeah. <laughs> I think it should be all year long. <laughs> um, and then we get to skip 12 years of black history month. Like 12? <laughs> or 11, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you do black history year and then you get to take oh, 11 right, years right. off. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think it is a weird thing. That exists and mm-hmm. i don't know how people feel about it generally it feels like it's like a it i have to imagine it was like a reagan era thing yeah um i it's been a thing as long as i've known what months meant <laughs> um, as long as you've been alive oh, yeah right? uh so i mean like it's 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 not something i'm at all unfamiliar with but i wonder like are there people who just like one year they were like oh i guess february forever now is black history month yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I've had I, I've had black friends who really relish it mm-hmm. and think it's fun, and they get to make jokes all year, yeah, or all month about like, yeah, you can't say that it's Black History Month, or you know, I get to do this because it's Black History Month. Uh, and I've had friends who don't care about it, and I've had friends who kind of have like, yeah, negative opinions about it, um, which I. I think all of them are reasonable responses to having sure. a. I don't think. I think as far as I've your race or whatever. Yeah, as far as I've experienced, black people in my life tend to like Black History Month. Yeah, mostly. Um, Isn't there a Women's History Month? 
if there's not, there should be. I, I think there is. <laughs> and I think I think that when I found out about it, I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know about, yeah. you know, Edie, the lady who invented frequency Edie hopping. Falco. She was on yeah. The Sopranos. No, not her. <laughs> uh, God, I forgot her name all of a sudden. The guy, yeah. the woman who invented frequency hopping, she was a, she's a very interesting person. Mm. Um, her first name is... Heidi. I want to say Slimane, but that sounds wrong. That's the guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but at a certain point, it's like, well, how does this affect me? How does it benefit me? Right. In any way. Uh, it's just a weird cultural thing where you say. Yeah. I mean, hey. well, how does a holiday affect you? You know, sometimes you get off of work. That's, but you I get mean, off if work. You, but a, if you don't, then how does a holiday affect you? Like sometimes it's a. It's well, a, all those holidays suck except for April Fool's. <laughs> Except for April Fool's, I guess, which is and, the greatest. and Halloween. But I like a, I mean, I like a holiday that's like an excuse to like do something different than you normally do. And so Black History Month is cool because it's like it's an opportunity to take the time to be like, oh, what what random Black History thing can I learn about, right. or like how can I use this opportunity to maybe like watch more uh, movies by Black creators or featuring Black stories? Like how can I? read a book maybe sure yeah you know maybe god I'll forbid <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think it's i i always take the opportunity to, yeah. to do that just because it's fun and 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 i'm like and everyone's sharing that stuff online and right yeah, yeah. It's, it's, nice. it's it's as easy as it could ever be because everybody's right. sharing that stuff right. right now so for this black history month we're gonna do all black movies yeah i was gonna say so because we uh we are you know several years into this podcast now and we you know, it, it makes it a little easier to fill out our schedule sometimes to like come the up with themes. a theme for something. And we were like, let's do a fucking Black History Month. Yeah. I so mean, this month we're not doing black creators uh, by accident. I didn't realize that the director of our first movie was not black. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, I, both of my choices will be black directors. Yes. Um, Mine are black stories. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your, yours uh, is recommended to us uh, by a very popular and fun youtube show yeah you like. a very very popular uh black youtuber prim who does prim's hood cinema highly recommend checking it out but yeah it's funny that is not where we're at in the episode yet i know but i just want to say that you know we're white people we're not presenting anything to you authoritatively yes. we're going to talk about movies yeah we're going to be absolutely clear about this we are just watching movies we're just watching movies <laughs> this is not this is no we're not doing anything politically we're just saying yes. it's black history month let's watch some movies let's watch some movies made about black and people. featuring black people yes uh made by and featuring black people uh for fun and yes. for this is not any points or politi political statements. yes i don't want any i don't want any political credit for this <laughs> i don't even know what that would mean i don't want points i don't want uh benefits i don't want anything but for specifically it. i also want zero criticism <laughs> yes i want nobody to say anything to me about this <laughs> yeah uh yeah so it's it's going to be a fun time we've got a nice little slate of movies that i'm excited to watch have an excuse to watch um because there's a couple of them some of them would be kind of dark to mm. just throw on um I think I'm going to take one of them off because it might be too dark yeah. uh, and make it for something a little that more fun. That sounds like a great idea, Brent. I think Brent. you'll like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we're not there yet. What we are talking about is what did you watch in the week, uh, last week of January? <laughs> uh, thank you for You're asking. You're welcome. Uh, I watched, um, so last night, 
was the night before my birthday. And uh, uh, spoiler alert, we record both episodes in one day if you're a patron. We usually do. Uh, <laughs> but um, so uh, last night, night before my birthday, it was Saturday night. My wife and I made plans to go out. And um, we don't really get to go out very much because we have a child. That old classic tale. Don't even get to date your wife. Yeah. So we, um, you know, he's old enough now that we can like get a babysitter. So we hired a babysitter and <laughs> we made plans to go out. And we made reservation at a restaurant, and then my son got a stomach bug, which I had a couple days earlier, and he just threw up all over this babysitter. And Ugh. so we had to stay in, and so we had to decide. Wh- wh- and had to pay. And also had to pay for the babysitter because that's night, how it works, which absolutely sucks. Uh, <laughs> so we had to kind of Your like a ma- joint bank account. <laughs> yeah, out of our joint bank account, which again, if you were a patron, you'd know all about my finances. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Too much. I'll beef it. You really need to beef I have, that. I will. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to think of me differently. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut a lot of that out. So, um, <laughs> uh, right. So we had to stay in. We had to come up with a plan to enjoy sure. our evening. Um, so we ordered an obscene amount of dim sum and Ooh. we watched uh, Rumble in the Bronx. Oh, boy. A nice Jackie Chan a feature. Nice, a nice Jackie. <laughs> a premium one the, Jackie. One of the best Jackies. One of the best ones, I think. Uh, yeah. It's, I feel like among Jackie people, it's ranked a little like not low but like a little lower than top people put police story police there. stories up there but people put like drunken master and no. like old jackie i don't like old jackie very much personally i get if you're a big fight guy mm-hmm. like if you like just are about the fucking choreography but it's it's got to be fun all the way through it's got to be fun like the true jackie is when jackie starts clowning that's exactly. when it really which becomes is why great. my personal favorite jackie is first strike mm-hmm. which is stupid as all hell yes. and fun all the way through absolutely uh ja- rumble in the bronx is is a fantastic rumble in the bronx this. is a fantastic movie uh had a fantastic time watching it something i forgot about it because i hadn't watched it for a good long while is like how intense uh, its depiction of of black people is a little little wild. Uh, his <laughs> his auntie, um, you know, the joke at the beginning is that he comes to see his his uncle who uh, owns the um, owns the little bodega in the Bronx, and he's like, hey, you get to meet your new auntie, and he like sees some uh, Chinese woman, and he's like, ah, oh, nice to meet you, auntie, and she's like, I just work here, and he's <laughs> like, oh no, no, that's not your new auntie, uh, this is your new auntie, and it's just like big burly black woman who has like big reactions whatever and she's like kind of a little clownish in a way that i felt a little weird about (laughs) Uh and then jackie's like reaction to her is like even weirder and i'm like oh boy no um but also i mean i'm like i'm like these are these are chinese people making a movie like (laughs) i i do not want to lay my american stuff onto them i don't know i I don't know i couldn't possibly (laughs) comment on this (laughs) it just felt weird that's all i'm saying all right um something else i noticed that's very interesting is so a lot of the chinese actors get an english uh voiceover artist who is not them Right. Okay. Uh, Because they don't. There, a lot of them are like old school, you know, kung fu movie guys. Sure. He brings in to do this movie with him in America, Um, and so a lot of those guys get dubbed over because they literally don't speak English. Um, (laughs) Right. But then I noticed that everybody's dubbed, even white people, even like people who would be English speakers, like black and white people, American actors, get dubbed over, and I think it's so that the sound isn't weird. 
Oh, just because they're going to because dub everybody like, anyway? Yeah, because the difference between a lav mic and like being up close to a voiceover mic is very different, right? Yeah. And so I think that they made the conscious decision to just do everybody like that. That because you notice people's mouths never sync up to what they're saying, even if they're very clearly <laughs> saying what they're supposed to be saying. Yeah. Um, which is a very I, interesting choice. I think that uh, First Strike is like that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of his movies are like that. I just never noticed it before. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love how stylish and weird it is. I love how little sense it makes. The story <laughs> is bananas. I honestly forget most of what happens i know he's so it's jackie in the is a, jackie is a uh, is a martial artist who uh comes to new york to visit his uncle and his uncle owns a bodega in the bronx and uh he is kind of just like uh he sells oh he sells the bodega to this girl and the girl is like hey jackie you're really nice can you help me like get the place set up and whatever his uncle like goes to like open a ranch with his with his beautiful black wife and okay. and they disappear from the movie and he's like, okay, so I'm going to help you get the place set up. This gang is like shoplifting from her store and he stops the shoplifting and she's like, thank you so much. Can you like protect me a little longer while I get things set up? I guess the gang is mad at him for stopping the shoplifting. So they start to just like attack him constantly. <laughs> he gets like wrapped up. <laughs> and they're up. all martial artists. No, no. Some of them are, but like they're just like this weird multi-ethnic gang of like funny like 80s ninja turtle style gangsters <laughs> with like they're like punks they look like punks yeah, basically yeah, yeah. they're like wearing leather and stuff yeah, right? yeah leather and spikes and like colored hair very multi-ethnic though right. really really bears repeating um, <laughs> and um yeah they uh, uh uh they attack him a bunch and like kind of the story from there is that he's like dating a girl in the gang and they are like mad about that, but they're also mad at him for stopping them from stealing. And so they're like trying to kill him. And then about halfway through the movie, they all stumble accidentally upon like this kind of like lighthearted fight between the gang and Jackie, which isn't lighthearted. They're trying to murder him. Right. They're but like it's funny. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> they stumble upon this deal that's happening between these like African warlords and this sort of like weird suited mafia gang. Oh, like a different gang. Yeah. It's a totally different thing altogether from the story. These uh, African warlord guys are selling diamonds to these mafia guys. Uh-huh. But then like they accidentally kill the African guys and the gang from the original thing runs off with the diamonds and so now the mafia guys are coming after the diamond guys really bizarre yeah the story is garbage <laughs> for the most part but, but what, the sets but what you're there for is like the fun action and the fun sequences the 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 bizarre setups of like uh there's like a fight that happens at a parking garage where like jackie like climbs up the side of the parking garage and has to like jump up a whole story and like climb oh, his yeah. way up and then jump up again and then they get up to the top and he like finds a truck with this dude in it who like is wearing like a confederate flag cowboy hat <laughs> and he's like hiding in the back and he's telling him like Shh, don't tell them i'm in here and he's like get out of my truck you bozo and they like chase him <laughs> in but then it's like the truck is full of uh bouncy balls and so he's like climbing oh, yeah. out of the bouncy balls and then the truck flies off the side of the parking garage and all the bouncy balls are like bouncing everywhere after the truck crashes. Just bizarre set piece choices where you're like, this is just B 
beautiful. So insane. Is this the one where he also jumps on the air conditioners? Uh, no, I don't oh, believe okay. so. I get, uh, I get that he, one confused with this he one. He jumps Whatever from one is. the parking garage onto somebody's fire escape about two stories down, which is crazy. You're right. Uh, and there's a great fight sequence that happens in the back of the bar that the gang hangs out at that for some reason is a whole wall like the size of this wall here, about like 30 feet long of just like refrigerators, one after the other after the other. And then uh-huh. TVs stacked on top of those refrigerators. No reason for this. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but it's really fun because he gets to like open the doors of the refrigerators, hide inside <laughs> of some of them, and like throw guys into them, and then take them out later, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. take down the TVs. I was trying to explain because Mo had never seen like a Jackie Chan movie front to back. Oh, at all? And she like, actually had she seen the stunts though. She'd seen stuff here and there. She probably saw Rush Hour to be honest, but I wouldn't call that a Jackie Chan movie. It's just, it's Jackie Chan's in the movie, but it's not a Jackie Chan movie. He does stunts, though. He does stunts. And, and I'd even say that, like, what I consider to be a quintessential Jackie Chan thing is more present in Rush Hour than in uh, Rumble in the Bronx, which is a limitation. He doesn't really have limitations as much in, in uh, Rumble in the Bronx. Really? Where, like, I'm thinking of specifically the scene in, um, in, in Rush Hour where he's got the pot that he's like holding and oh, he yeah. can't break the pot, but he has to do the fight. So he's constantly trying to keep it. There's a scene in Rumble in the Bronx where I was like, I like said like, this is a thing. You're going to want to watch this. This is a Jackie Chan thing. Cause he's carrying a bag of groceries and he's getting attacked by the guys. And I was like, the thing is going to be his... that he doesn't want to drop the groceries. And I like say to her, I'm like, this is a Jackie Chan thing. He's not going to want to drop the groceries. First thing he does, throws drop the groceries <laughs> sorry i was like sorry never mind but trust me later in his career this is a thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm trying to remember what if there's anything like that in shanghai noon there must be shanghai noon is one that i remember feeling a lot like a jackie chan movie even though it's a lot of owen wilson mugging for the camera yeah um i like that i liked that movie a lot as a kid um but you're right. He does have like this very like, oh, my hands are tied behind my back or I can only use a ladder or you know, right. I can only uh, it's, it's I'm the, in a robe or whatever. The cool Jackie thing is when there's like something specific that has to stay the same throughout the fight. Right. Um, and this one doesn't have that. I didn't notice any. I didn't really peg any. Um, I really wish the groceries would have been a very fun one, too, yeah. because you could have had a scene where like halfway through the fight maybe like the bag like breaks so he's got to like keep the bottom in too <laughs> you know something like that yeah that's very or, like, like like pieces come out and he has to like go grab them and put them back in the bag it's a very buster keaton style like yeah. way of doing a gag um which he loves uh but good set pieces generally oh though. yeah absolutely fantastic film absolutely loved it yeah what did you watch this week uh i watched too many things Mm. I guess I'll have to save some for uh, for next week. Um, let's see, what did I want to mention? Well, most of them are really stupid, and I'll tell you about them later. But uh, the big ones that I watched was I watched the re- uh, many moons ago. I uh, told you about a television show that I watched three episodes of called Cop Rock. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and my take on the movie on that show at the time was that it was very bad mm. but very entertaining my perspective on the show has changed now a little bit 
Because what I realized after watching the entire series, which is still only like, I think, 10 episodes, um, is that it is very self-aware in a way that I wasn't sure mm. if it was. It becomes pretty clear at a certain point that it knows exactly what it's doing. And it not only knows exactly what it's doing, it may have gotten canceled explicitly for its politics. Okay. Because it is extremely anti-police violence. And this is like 1990, the year 1990. Okay. And it's like very, like the main arc of the show, the first season, the only season, because it gets canceled immediately. Right. And the ending is baffling because they do a meta song (laughs) where they talk about being canceled in character (laughs) and they're like i only got this song and Mm -hmm. they're like no you got two songs you got this song in the church and you got this song it's like oh yeah and then they like do this whole cast song where there's like an actual fat woman singing Mm -hmm. because the fat lady sings because it's over and they're canceled they talk about how abc doesn't want them on the air anymore it's very strange but the whole arc of the season is that a cop in cold blood murders a black guy Oh, wow. A white cop murders a black guy. This is a musical. (laughs) Uh, Like in the first episode, it happens. Yeah. yeah. This is like we talked about with um, when uh, when all the George Floyd protests were happening and we were talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and how they were going to respond to it. And I said that they should just do a straight up episode where somebody shoots somebody and they have to reckon with it. This is like that. They do that, except it's it's very weird because a lot of it is bad like there's all these weird like uh it's not bad but it's so bizarre and the tone is so strange mm. um because it's a musical show and they called it cop rock and they called it cop rock and there's all these like side stories that are just not very interesting and, and pretty stupid yeah uh like there's just one of the cops is dating one of the detectives are married to a detective in in on this at the same precinct and he's jealous of her partner who he's convinced that they're having an affair it's mm. a woman and a guy partner um and that's just like a lot of the show is just him being a weirdo and being like i want you to switch partners cuz you're having an affair and he, she's like no i'm not and I'm, he's my partner and i care about him so that's all like lame or whatever but like the main thrust of the story is that this this guy just like it's not there's no um there's no like did he or did he not like they show it right he uncuffs him and then shoots him in the chest because he realizes that he doesn't have what he needs to take him off the street in his words you know like mm. he doesn't have he doesn't have the evidence to like actually arrest him and like put him away right so he just kills him like executes the guy Jesus. um that's the opening of the show and then the whole rest of the show is him like going through trial and then like getting a black guy like getting a black officer to like testify for or against him yeah and then that guy feeling like none of the cops actually have his back and so he chooses to testify against him and then realizes that no matter what he does, he was fucked because he was put in this position where either every cop is going to ha- hate him. They burn a cross on his fucking front lawn mm. and it gets really serious and like really good. Like the the take they have is like it doesn't matter if any of these people are good as people. Like the point is, is that the system is set to 
be an execution squad. Right. And like, that's the conclusion of cop rock and he gets off uh-huh. and like the cop, the cop gets off. Jesus. And, <laughs> and like, everyone is mad about it. Uh-huh. And like the very last scene is that one guy who got fucked by the police just like punches that guy in the face a couple times. Mm. And is just like, fuck you, man. Like, and like, it's it's really good <laughs> it's like so hard to recommend because it's baffling there's like a song about selling babies on the black market and Jesus. stuff like there's really weird but it's like funny and he's like i'm the baby merchant uh, <laughs> but then there's like really poignant stuff that is like what is the music like is it like rock is it like it's like uh randy newman literally writes the theme song okay so toy story imagine yeah. toy story but a little d- more rocking I'm not it's so bizarre having trouble it's you gotta watch it <laughs> it's only 10 episodes and it's one of the strangest like are they cult. half hour or hour uh I don't remember they feel long I think they're like 45 minutes Oof. yeah uh it's it's one of the strangest cultural artifacts I've ever seen because it's like more like does you, the guy go on to make anything else I don't know I didn't really look it up we could look it up do we have time yeah we got time <laughs> it's it's so strange because he uh that i just never would have guessed that it would have been a show about how police are systemically racist yeah <laughs> in in the year 1990 because again it is i uh, bef- i cannot stress this enough folks it is called cop rock and it's before rodney king it takes place in the lapd but like there's literally a sequence where like a fascist is like talking about like the 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 deputy or no the chief of police like accidentally let slip like literally the words like white supremacy at a th- like right he's like a literal white supremacist and then like has to walk it back and like get and like poor people start throwing vegetables at him and stuff it's bizarre it's created by steven bronco and william m finkelstein oh uh, Steven Bronco, in, he developed a number of television series, including Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, Doogie Howser, Cop Rock, and NYPD Blue. Okay. That's what those guys did. Interesting. And the the other guy? Uh, similar. He was a writer on Law and Order, Murder One, L.A. Law, Cop Rock, NYPD Blue, and The Good Fight. Unreal. Yeah. What? It's so weird. I don't know how. William it, Finkelstein. I don't know how it existed. I don't know why it existed, but it is so strange. Um, there needs to be like an oral history out there somewhere or yeah, something. I would love to see a nice YouTube video on like what it was like to work on that show. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I can't recommend it enough just because it's so strange. Like it's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Um, not great, <laughs> but uh, some really strange and I think very poignant moments. Uh, the other thing I watched was um, Robert Longo's Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> oh, I've never seen that. I hadn't seen it either. Yeah. I mean, I thought I had seen it, but I definitely had only seen pieces of it. Mm. Um, and to completely change gears, uh, it is so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a movie. Keanu is doing what feels like a Nicolas Cage performance in this. Right. Like he's serious, but he's screaming. So something nobody (laughs) ever agrees with me on, but I believe deep in my core is that they are very similar actors. Uh, yeah. 
uh, in that when used properly, they're incredible. Mm. And they have very specific ways of doing things. And they're only good at specific things. And I, I, and they can be laughable when used improperly. Yes. But also, I think that in most cases, you could switch them. <laughs> Not to say that they're like exactly the same or anything, but rather that like I think any Nicolas Cage role, Keanu could do. And any Keanu role, Nicolas Cage could do. Which one's an exception? What? What's an exception? To, to them. To the rule you just made up. That oh, you could switch. I mean. Hmm. Could, could Cage do The Matrix? Yes, absolutely. What? Yes. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Nicolas Cage could do The Matrix for sure. I guess at that age. Uh-huh. Like if he was 28. Yeah, yeah, they'd have to be like time, you know, time not uh, you know, not a factor. Uh-huh. Uh but like yeah, a young Nicolas Cage could absolutely do The Matrix. Um I I mean, I'm having trouble thinking of him, but like could Keanu do adaptation? Yes. Yeah. For totally. sure. Uh-huh. Uh could Nicolas Cage do Point Break? Absolutely. Yes. Could Keanu... The only ones that I'm really thinking of are the really young Keanu ones would be tough. Like Bill and Ted, I don't know that I could really... I yeah, could really yeah, because he's not... He doesn't have that voice. Because he's not actually that guy. Yeah. Right. And Keanu is that guy. Right. And then the ones where they like lean heavily into Keanu being Asian. Mm. Like the young... What is that Buddha movie? Yeah, uh, but at the same time, like, you know, you have like uh, plenty of history of that in Hollywood. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess it's not like it would be out of the realm of believability. I don't, I don't know if Keanu could do Face Off. Yes, what? Yes, of course he could. I mean, it would be very different. Like, that's a level that I don't know if Keanu ever get, really gets to. Mm. But it's not a question of like, because what you have to remember is like the bigness of like w- what you have to transpose in here is the performance of keanu like so you're you're too fixated on the bigness of nicholas cage's performance there am, yeah. whereas like you have to picture what is a keanu version of caster troy i guess so could could keanu i mean he would do something with could it. he be doing i don't know if he would have done the same thing though no or... i'm not saying that they would do the same thing but rather that they would thrive in each other's roles more than like say like i don't know like kevin spacey yeah you know what i, I mean? hear like, what you're saying like, i don't I think that saying. i don't think keanu or nicholas cage could be like the seven killer i hear that what wouldn't saying. work mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense god kevin spacey's so good in that he's role. so good in everything he's such a talented <laughs> actor <laughs> that's true i know we're not supposed to like him anymore and he doesn't he's not good in anything he was honestly trust me he, I never liked him, I, dude. <laughs> but I, he's a very talented actor. He was honestly one of my favorite actors. He really was. When yeah. I was in high school, I had the soundtrack of Beyond the Sea because because wow. I, <laughs> I really liked Kevin Spacey. <laughs> um, Can we wait uh, very quickly? Yeah. Um, I have to. I have Bobby to. Bobby Darren in that movie. I, I I have to distract us for just a moment. You sure. To tell you the funniest thing from <laughs> from when we were at the Jackass movie before. So when you saw Jackass, did you get a Batman preview? Yes. Yes. So I sure okay. did. Okay. So <laughs> me and Alex were sitting next to each other, and there's a moment in the Batman preview 
where so we're already laughing at it being the Riddler and we're doing the Riddler voice at each other <laughs> and then there's a moment in there where they show the fucking latte art of the question yeah. mark <laughs> oh my god <laughs> of all the things to add to your like emo Batman thing you're right. like the latte art Batman <laughs> riddle me this is your cappuccino cold oh we were doing <laughs> so hot? we were doing we were doing riddle me this Batman I'm 80% foam 20% milk <laughs> what am I it's the Starbucks it's menu a, quiz uh, <laughs> macchiato wrong again Batman <laughs> and I will be sending it back <laughs> You can write on the cup, Nigma. <laughs> I don't think I can write that on the cup. You can, Bats. You must. The customer is always right. <laughs> Type it into your little computer. Oh, you're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um Okay. Anyway. Yes, that's a I that looks the latte kinda, art kind of looks awful. It looks like dog shit yeah, this movie. I can't believe it's <laughs> I being, feel really bad for our patents and he shouldn't be in that I movie. I know. Oh my gosh. Anyway, um it's a very good point about Keanu and Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Where were we? Oh yeah. Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic is a weirdly slant. So the reason I watched it is because I w- I read an interview. Oh, because my boyfriend has been reading uh, Neuromancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I introduced him to William Gibson, and he read the ones after that, but had never read the first trilogy and has been reading that. I was like, man, and I read a an interview with Robert Longo where for the twenty fifth anniversary he r- was able to get the footage from Sony. And then recolor it into black and white because mm. he said he wanted to originally make the movie black and white. Obviously, because William Gibson and him wanted to make the movie as a cool million, like independent Lynch type movie. Like right. they wanted it to look like Tetsuo the Iron Man or something. Mm. But they couldn't find a million dollars like between them. Like they okay. couldn't find a small indie art movie budget. But. Sony was like, we'll give you $30 million and make it a big blockbuster. And they were like, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Not take $30 million to make your movie? So That's so funny, though, to not be able to find a million, but you can find 30. (laughs) That's like, Longo was like, I don't know why that was like that in the 90s, but that's how it was. So they're like, all right, sure. So they they do it. But obviously, it it was hell. Like, they tried to kick him off the movie in like a week in. Like they were promising the movie would be finished by the second unit director. It was just like mm-hmm. it was when it was back when uh, studios had a lot more power and like he didn't have Final Cut, like nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. So the movie is weird because it's a very strange tone, but it's really odd how how close it is to the story. Like mm-hmm. if you've read the short story, it's about a guy who is a um, courier and has like basically a hard drive in his own brain he uses his brain as a hard drive with some thing and then he has he's overclocked basically he has too much info in there it's going to start like eating his brain he has to get to a place to get it out yeah uh what it is they changed like what the information is a little bit they added this whole like virus that like this um global pandemic that's happening so it was weird <laughs> i didn't know that was in the movie but there's like a global pandemic caused by like implants 
uh, like uh, you know technological implants, uh, and it's actually the cure is in his head, okay. um, and he has to get it to a place. They're trying to kill him because the pharmaceutical companies don't want that to exist because they want to keep selling medicines and stuff. Um, so it's a very uh, it's a very uh, interesting plot, and I watched the Japanese cut, which apparently is a little more easy to follow and a little longer. It's like ten minutes longer. Mm-hmm. But it was so fun. Like, it's so ridiculous and over the top. It's just as good as any, like, other dumb action movie from the 90s that everyone likes, like Terminator 2 or... Sure. You know, it's it's crazy looking. It's all the things I like about William Gibson, which is, like, all of the fun, weird ideas. Like, one guy has a garrote that's a laser. Like... Yeah. You know? So he's, like, just, like, going like this and cutting people's whole heads off. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh if you like everyone looks crazy it's ice tea is in it henry rollins is in it uh like as a main character (laughs) uh it's really fun it's a goofy movie uh and i get why people didn't like it at the time because it was probably like literally the one number one criticism at the time is no one knew what the fuck was happening yeah because they don't really explain it very well and if you don't understand like what a hard drive is and like what the internet is like he's like i gotta go on the internet and then just like puts on vr goggles and goes on the (laughs) internet and this is 1995 or something and people are like what is he doing right and he like is talking to people in vr like basically like video chatting with people and everyone was like i don't know what the fuck is happening (laughs) (laughs) but it feels very modern i've got to write an email puts on vr glasses Oh, yeah. That's really funny because it's all CGI when he's in the internet. So mm. he's like going to different like files and then like having to solve a puzzle like with his hands <laughs> to like get into stuff. Hilarious. Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, I thought it was a very fun movie. Keanu was doing like he said, he, he like there's a moment where he's like just fed up and he's like, I don't want to do this. I'm just a guy who is basically like a glorified DoorDash, you know, guy. So he's like, who gets paid extra. So he's just like, I want room service. (laughs) (laughs) I want to smoke cigarettes. It's just like screaming at the sky about, Mm. he just wants like post-capitalist like creature comforts. It's really interesting. Um, But if you like cyberpunk and you haven't seen Johnny Mnemonic, it's like one of the best ones I've ever seen just in terms of the aesthetic. It looks so crazy. (laughs) There's a heroin addicted dolphin that is like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hell that's, yeah, that's dude. in the story and they like put it in the movie. It's so good. A heroin addicted dolphin. How does it get heroin? How does it do heroin? They like give it to him because he was like, he, it was, it's like a Navy experiment where they were like oh, getting okay. him addicted to heroin. I was to, picturing like, do stuff. A, like the dolphin itself is doing the heroin. <laughs> oh no. He can't really talk or anything. Right. Of course. But, he's uh, a dolphin. He's a dolphin, but he can communicate through the internet. Mm. Uh, it's so cool. Anyway, we've got to talk about the movie. We must. We simply must. Uh, this movie we are going to talk about today is called Hustle and Flow. 2005. 2005 starring terrence howard yeah and who I almost always call terrence malick yeah and terrence howard and not uh uh pencil tucky from uh orange is the new black oh yeah that is her huh um who else though it's the little skinny guy from uh the new guy oh and the guy from blackish blackish i think so right oh yeah He's the dad on Blackish. Oh yeah, Anthony Anderson. Yeah. Uh what is that guy? DJ Qualls. He's from the new guy in Road Trip and stuff. Mm. Anyway, this movie is uh directed by Craig Brewer, who um is interesting 
that I have a little bit of a theory about Craig Brewer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is your theory about Craig Brewer? My the- so uh, go ahead and read his filmography first before you, you say his theory. Before you say the theory, because <laughs> I think you- it will help inform it. Yeah. <laughs> if his- I had to guess what you're about to talk about, my theory about Craig. Bre- okay, his his uh, his filmography is <sighs> the Poor and the Hungry is his first movie. It is a uh, a similar movie. It was it was. Uh, he said he used the experience making the film as an inspiration for Hustle and Flow. It's about a grungy street street hustler and a, a car thief and stuff. Uh, and then he did uh, then he did Hustle and Flow, and then he did Black Snake Moan, mm-hmm. and then he did Footloose, <laughs> and then he did Dolomite Is My Name. Yes, the Eddie Murphy vehicle, which everyone loved. Mm-hmm. And then he did Coming to America, right? The sequel, which is coming out this year, I guess. It already came out last year. Oh, did it? Yeah, no one watched it, though. Oh, okay. I was um, going to say, I didn't hear anything about it. So you might notice a pattern of this. A white guy yeah, uh, directing these movies. My theory is that he is used, he's a sort of down guy who's used by people like John Singleton to sort of get studios to let them make movies. Yeah. Um, because it seems like, they can't always make the movies they want to make without a white guy director. Right. And it seems like he's like, sure, I'll direct a movie and sort of let you guys sort of take the reins and like not change too much. Mm. That's my theory. Um, which I mean, hey, do what you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this movie's production is very, was apparently very fraught. He, uh, Terrence Howard tried to turn it down. They couldn't get years of trying to get this movie made. Uh, John Singleton like put up a lot of the money, the director of Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. um, just like put up a lot of the money himself. So it's like kind of an indie movie. Uh, and then later was um, bought by uh, Paramount. Yeah. Um, but like not before MTV films had put in a bunch of money and stuff. So uh, Three Six Mafia does the music for it. Except for the um, the hit. The main song. The I not, thought- not Hard Out Here for a Pimp. Um, the hit in the movie, oh, uh, whoop, uh, whoop that whoop trick, that trick is uh, Lil John. Is it really? I believe so. Yeah, <laughs> Lil, I'm pretty sure that Lil John at least made the beat for it. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Um, so Hustle and Flow tells the story of a pimp, uh, who is um trying to just get by in his day to day life. It seems like he's not doing too hot. Yeah, it's a um, movie about a pimp who is also, you know, selling drugs sometimes. Yeah, um, but like money is tight. It seems like he's not fair. a he's not a big time pimp. He's no. I mean, there's a scene where you see him like talk to a, a a John, and he's like, "It's twenty in the front, forty in the back." You're like, "Oh my what the god, fuck? <laughs> that's the fucking rate, dude!" What, Jesus why? Christ, it's I, too little. Yeah, it's too little. Um, so that means blowjobs in full like sex i think i'm pretty sure that back is anal so i'm pretty sure it's 44 anal i thought that at first but now that i'm thinking about it i wonder if it's in the front of the car meaning she can lean over because anal seems it seems that seems like very cheap yeah yeah I, i would imagine it would be she can lean over and blow you, or you can go in the back and have actual yeah. like, P and V. That could be. I don't know. Whatever it is, even that is very cheap. Yeah, no, it's too cheap. 
Uh, but so the point is, it's 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 hard out here for a it's pimp. It's hard out here for a pimp and a and a whore and a whore uh, for, for sure. Uh, much harder. <laughs> I would say much harder. Uh, but he Which, has a stable of three women who yeah. he lives with uh, and seems to have a child with two mm. of. Is that the implication that little boys? His? No, I think that because I think if if the implication is that that's his kid, then this movie takes on a very different tone because uh, he throws that kid the fuck out. It's pretty dark. Um, which uh, It's already dark, but it's way darker if that's his kid. I think that's the implication. I thought it was. Uh, and that baby is so cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, he's he's basically doing his hustling. He is, uh, you know, trying to pimp these girls out. Yeah, uh, which feels weird to say because I it, people usually use it as a euphemism, but he's literally just trying to get them money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's taking, literally a pimp, and they are literally and prostitutes. He's literally pimping out the the. The story is he's selling weed to his friend who runs a club. Yeah. And he, his friend says, hey, do you have any more of that really good weed? Because here in, where are they? Uh, uh, Alabama? Are they? No, 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 no. Memphis? Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, he says here in Memphis, Tennessee, we always get dirt weed, as you know, but you right. got that hookup. And I've so got uh, Ludacris is coming to town. Ludacris is coming to town. Who, and this is, is called like skinny whatever. Skinny black. Yeah, skinny black. And he... Uh, he's like Ludo, my, you know your friend our old friend from before before he was famous you knew each other in high school and dj kind of. dj's like i kind of knew we went to different schools or whatever but i knew of him and stuff um he wants some good stuff so if you can come make a bunch of money you know get some good stuff and you'll sell yeah. it all he's like cool um and from that listening to skinny black's music and sort of and then this junkie uh trades him a keyboard for some drugs an old shitty casio yeah like, he like he clearly stole it from somebody and he's like he's like come on fuck with me dj i'll trade you this fucking keyboard for some drugs he ends up convincing him to do it dj ends up like having a whole mess of fun playing with the keyboard yeah he helps calm down really the little cute, baby yeah really cute scene with the baby where he's playing with the keyboard with him but basically like having this keyboard in his life kind of like like revives this old memory of his youth where he like was into music and like played music with friends. And like, that was like a big part of his life. It seems like, and it kind of like pulls this passion back out of him and he runs into an old friend and that kind of helps it too. that his old friend who he made music with. Yeah. He just runs into him at a bodega basically. And and he's just like, he starts talking to him about the old times and, and, and that guy's ma- like making a living doing music for a church. Or he's recording. He's an engineer. He's right. a sound engineer. He's just a sound engineer. Uh, but he like listens to this woman do like a sort of operatic southern Beautiful gospel scene. kind of thing. Incredible Gorgeous scene. Gorgeous scene. Um, and sort of is just like, damn, I should, I should, I should try do music this again. again. I should really do music again. He has this really, really good scene, which I was a little bit not sure how I felt about this scene until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But he has this scene where he like wakes up his baby mama uh shug yeah um and it's sort of just like has this weird dream and like he wants to talk to her he basically saying like i'm having a midlife crisis yeah like i i feel like i don't want to be doing what i'm doing forever i'm i hate what i'm doing and i want to do something else and they have this weird and she's like i'm really scared too and like they have this weird like awkward moment um but he basically decides like 
I should at least try. Like I should try to do music once. Yeah. Uh, because he used to like rap over like beats at, at the high school. I, yeah. You yeah. know, they're talking about just like he just used to sort of be a rapper, sort of be into music. And then just stopped, obviously, because he was poor and was trying and to do needs other, to be an adult and need to do other shit. Yeah. money. Um, so he convinces Anthony uh, Anderson, who has a like a very pretty, beautiful wife and a nice mm-hmm. house. And like they're making a regular or not regular, but like a sort of more middle scale living. Yeah, right? yeah they seem like they're doing OK. They own their house. They don't have kids. They're just a married couple and like. But Anthony is like, I also love music, and this guy is talented. Yeah, and he's having a similar sort of a feeling, like where he's like, I want more out of my life than what I'm doing right now. Right, and well, this is not- fun, and I enjoy it. And like, there's a great scene where his wife comes to like sit in on a session. Oh yeah, it's near the end actually. And and, and she sees like the the passion in him as he's playing the music, and like you can tell that in that moment she's like. I get it. I get what you're doing now. Like, cause she's always kind of like a little apprehensive she's about re- it. I feel like her arc is that she, for most of the movie, she's like, I don't want you hanging around prostitutes. Yeah. I don't want you hanging around drug dealers. Which again is very reasonable. This guy is like, <laughs> yeah, they are a, a stable couple living in the hood. Like they're, you know, they're around enough danger already. And like, I mean, she, she does not need her husband like fucking around with like, you know prostitutes and pimps and drugs and whatever right. and like and and it's like she's not she's not even accusing him of like sleeping with one of the yeah, prostitutes yeah, no, she's exactly. literally just like i don't want you in this trouble zone i'm <laughs> scared of where you are yeah you know uh which is an interesting thing because movies don't usually address this sort of like class dynamic where people, if someone's afraid of the hood, it's usually because they're white. Right, yeah, And yeah. there's this coded, like, racism. Mm-hmm. And she's not racist. She's a black woman, She's but she's afraid of And they live in the, the same neighborhood. Yeah, like... they, they're, like, minutes away from each other, but there's a poverty sketchiness level that she's just very uncomfortable with and probably feels very, I mean, reasonably feels very... Absolutely. ...afraid of. There's this There's this weird understanding in media where, like, the hood is one thing. Yeah. There's like one type Uh of income scale that happens in the hood. And there's no understanding of the idea of like, it it basically is like once you wrestle your way out of poverty, then you're out. You know, there's no understanding of like that middle gradient where it's like, we are working on it and we have (laughs) like a stable life. We have good jobs. We're making money. We're not quite out of this neighborhood yet. But we don't have to rely on illegal exactly, yeah, ways of making money, and that's that's really what it is. It's like we have figured out a way to be stable and not too scared about losing our house without breaking the law. Yeah, and she has a very reasonable fear of having to break the law to make money at yes. some point, or even worse, like because everyone's just teetering on that edge. Yeah, and, and 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 additionally, it's like they've worked so hard for what they have. And, you know, watching The Sopranos at this stage, like, you've seen enough of these scenes where it's, like, the allure of the illegal, like, sucks in yeah. otherwise doing okay people. Yeah. And, and, she, and she's, like, it's not that she doesn't trust him necessarily, but, but it's she like, understands. It, but she understands there's a very real scenario where DJ is, like, hey, you want to make some real fucking money? Like, I could borrow some money from you, put it out on the street, and sure. it'll come back triple. 
right. know, I just need to borrow some money. Yeah. And then it's like suddenly your husband is wrapped up in some sketchy shit. And, you know, are you going to have that conversation now before you even does it and insult him and cause an argument? Right, yeah, yeah. It's a whole thing. So, But then there's a beautiful scene where she hears the music and more specifically watches his face mm-hmm. and sees how much he loves what he's doing yeah. and she understands what's happening. Anyway, so we go through this whole long thing of like, uh, DJ and I always forget his I mean I forget everybody else's name basically um, but they're you know they recruit this other kid who who makes beats Shelby. and plays piano and they start making music together and they hang out all the time and they make music together they write a few songs whoop that trick is an absolute fucking bop uh, <laughs> they do hard out here for a pimp which is important because Suge sings her part on it uh, she sings the hook, the hard out here for a pimp. Yeah, they're they're um, you know Anthony Mackie or not Mackie, Anthony uh, Anderson, whose name I forget. He keeps just being like, "Look, we can't fuck around. We need to make money off of this, or it's not worth it. Like yeah. I can't be having this as a hobby. Like the point of this is to make radio, and we need to make it good. And so we need a nice hook. We need thick, fat hooks, and we need your, you know, your your verses have to be succinct and nice. So yeah. he's just like being the producer. And Shelby's like, "What if we have like a song?" And like Shelby kind of makes up this melody with DJ's words, and he's like, "Sing it like this," and then says to Suge, "This is sort of a pivotal moment in this in in the movie." He's like, "Can you sing this?" And he's like, "Sing it like this." He's like, "I suck." And then she does it and they're they're like, do it better, do it harder. Yeah. And she's like under pressure. She's pregnant, you know, like, she, and she does it really well. And then they're like, all right, everybody get out. And they like put right. it together and uh, it's awesome. And then like they all start to get, they all start to feel it and DJ raps over it. And yeah. like, they're like, oh, we're going to have a good single. But so they record a demo of this and I'm trying to like speed us through the, the plot a little bit because we're coming, we're. <laughs> yeah we're coming up on an hour already and and there are like thematic and bigger things that i really want to get into so like we we record the song we we bring it to ludicrous because that's the whole scheme all along is that dj says that he knows ludicrous and uh he's i'm he's gonna bring the tape to him and play it for him and when he hears it it's gonna be undeniable and he goes to this party he gets ludicrous drunk and fucked up and he plays he gives him the tape ludicrous is like i don't know how to play a fucking tape and he's like go get yourself a fucking tape player, man. I don't know what to tell you. Go, <laughs> you got to play this though. And then Ludacris pisses on it. Uh, it. And again, you have to stress this. Ludacris is fucked up. He's like passed out drunk. Um, DJ literally has to put his cock in his pants. Yeah. Um, this is a long scene. Mm-hmm. Like him finally going, this is the nearly the end of the movie. He kisses Suge with like a I love you kind of kiss. Uh, There's a beautiful moment where Suge says like, listen, like I know that when you guys hit it big, you're going to hire. I love it. It's the whole movie. I know. It's the whole point of the movie. I know, but it's sad. Um, But she says, (laughs) when you guys hit it big, I know that you're going to hire a really big singer and a great singer to sing the backup on this song for real when you really record it. But I want you to know that getting to sing this part meant the world to me getting to sing for your song is, is everything for me. Yeah. And it's it's a beautiful moment that defines the movie for me. We'll come back to this. Right. So he goes to meet Ludacris. Ludacris pisses on the tape. DJ is pissed off, beats the shit out of Ludacris. One of Ludacris's dudes comes in, pulls a gun. DJ shoots the guy and fucking busts out of there. He yeah. drives home. The cops get him. Uh, and then he goes to jail. He's in jail for a little while. Um 
blackish guy shows up and he's like, hey, man, just wanted to check on you, see how you're doing. Uh, by the way... Uh, catches him up on the past couple of months. Catches him up on what everybody's been up to. And he's like, by the way, uh, one of your prostitutes, uh, she's been going around topping off every local DJ. Nola. And uh, yeah, Nola has been topping off every local DJ and uh, got the song on the radio. And now the song is kind of a local hit. And uh, so that trick. when you get at, yeah, whoop that trick. Of course, it's not hard out here for a pimp, even no. though that's the song that they put in the Academy Awards. Whoop that trick is the better song. <laughs> um, so, uh, he he's like so when you get out of here we're we're fucking recording these jams and we're gonna like make a real record right um and then that's kind of the end of the movie right yeah the cops the fucking and then the cops are like hey man fucking we're rappers too and he's like cool right so he's like got a like less than a year to serve yeah he's not in forever he didn't kill the guy right he also fucking god (laughs) (laughs) probably didn't have much of a record if that's all he got but uh which is crazy. But uh, yeah, so he's supposed, it's kind of a happy ending. Like he's in prison. It doesn't go the way they wanted it to. Yeah. But and the happy ending is kind of like a little bit bittersweet. It's very it's, bittersweet. He's it, in prison. It, <laughs> he's in prison and like it's a local hit. It, there's no like, he's not, not coming out of here to like, you know, riches or whatever. He's coming out to like, a, you know, he Maybe might be a like a regionally, <laughs> like, yeah, he might like open for somebody or whatever. But like, yeah. Yeah. Um, things i love in this movie i love that they don't make him actually good at rapping i love <laughs> that like the songs are are good they're fine they're very much of the time his bars blow suck. big time <laughs> and i think that i think that it's something that like having watched this like a while back now and, and having some time to reflect on it i think that's the point Right, he's not supposed to be the most incredible. Like this isn't. No, no, no. But no, beyond that, so I, I have this like kind of like harebrained okay, theory about the movie. So it is the movie is defined by two things, right? There's the scene where Suge says, "You know, that meant the world to me," right. and that's that's kind of like the bigger like music is beautiful theme, which is important too. The really most important scene of the movie is when. Uh, him and Nola go to go get the microphone and mm. he makes Nola fuck the guy for the microphone. Yeah. And she's like, this is bullshit. You don't do anything. Yeah. You're just a pimp. You don't do anything. <laughs> There's no reason I need you to yeah. help me negotiate. At best, your protection, but you don't really protect me because you put me in these horrible dangerous situations where i fuck a guy for a microphone i'm not (laughs) currency you don't do anything for this arrangement you need to do more for me yeah something i realized is like these songs only whip ass because of everybody but dj dj is not the talent here yeah the the talent is the kid writing the hook the talent is the producer the talent is suge singing right it's a movie about pimps Right, it's mm. the mo- the movie is about how a pimp isn't actually anything. anything. Yeah. It's it, the prostitutes are the talent, but it's like Th- they are he, the ones making the business. He's just there as a leech sucking off of them. Yeah, and, and and the arrangement of his music is the same thing, right? But it's also like there is a fucking like something to his energy and like bringing everybody together. Yes, and like he's doing a weird. Like it's not entirely like anti 
pimp as a concept. It's mm-hmm. like what he should be doing. It's like he didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't know that it wasn't. He's not. <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's trying to make this statement, but it's like it almost feels like the point that he what he really has is keeping people together and safe. Right. And he's doing it in a fucked up way. Pimping where he's his, so the whole point is that let's all make money together and I'll have a role and I'll be in charge. And he's like, let me do that in a creative and good way where everybody actually gets something. And I'm sort of taking on the, the, the brunt of the violent responsibility, uh, which is going to prison, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like accident, you know, getting into a fight and having to do the, like this weird emotional work that you wouldn't normally have anyone else doing. Um, but yeah, it's not about him being rookie of the year. You know, he's not like, oh, a diamond in the rough is just like this insane talent. Right. His talent is like getting people to push past things and like do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very similar to... Which can be to... manipulative or like inspiring. Yeah. I was thinking a parallel for it in some ways is Shawshank Redemption, mm. where he's kind yeah. of the Andy Dufresne in the movie where he's like, he's he's the one who's pushing the idea that like, doing stuff is what matters you know like you need to find purpose in your activities right and like even if like he comes out and he's just like a regional rapper and like doesn't do anything big it's like it's it's that suge moment right it's the it's the like singing on the song meant the world to me that's the thing right it's like making something means something and like yeah and 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 pushing yourself to like do something with your time and do something with your life. And like, even if it's not, people get so wrapped up in the idea of like, I need to change the world. Like I need to make my mark on the world. Or even that. Yeah. Especially that one, which is like making it your legacy or like making something that's worth money. uh, When it's really what's so special about something like music is that it brings you closer to people. And like, you're able to have these experiences uh together as a team you know it's it's about community mm-hmm. in a, and not a fucking like jerk off like we're the punk community kind of no like no, thing. no no but rather like, it's like it's the closest that you feel with it's the closest you feel with the people that you're doing it with when you like raise your eyebrow a certain way and the drummer syncs up with you yeah you it's know, like a that's spiritual what, that's experience. the moment of of being playing in a band you know is like absolutely i i always think of like um the uh the Queens of the Stone Age song, uh, No One Knows, has always sounded to me like the most fun song to play in a band. Absolutely. Because every part of that song has that vibe of like one of you looking to the other one to be like, are we on this together? And then Here holding your breath. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, my my guitarist is, uh, he's a bro. Mm. He went to, he was in a frat. You know, he grew up playing basketball and listening to rap only. Uh so whenever something like that happens, he literally will go like, oh, <laughs> like scream, you know? And it's yeah. just like, we're all nerds. So like none of us really do that. But like he has this way to like let that energy valve out. Like at, like like he just heard a great bar, you know, like someone come off the top of the head. Uh, and it's great. Nothing feels better than like playing a lick that he just like freaks out about. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's that's what he learns, that it's not about making you know, he has to make money and he's in this very pressurized situation. But what this should be about is growing with each other and making something feel good together. Yeah. Uh, and 
at this movie's best, I think that works. Um, as a musician, there was a couple things that I was like, that's not how that works. Because <laughs> cause that's like how the technology works. Right. And it, yeah. I was annoyed that my brain was doing that, but I was like, they could have just looked it up. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but emotionally, those scenes very much work. Yeah. Um, and it's really good. And I really can't stress this enough. Whoop that trick. The the hook in Whoop That Trick is so <laughs> fucking fun. It feels like a three six mafia song because yeah. it is, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, it rules. It is rule. It is very cool. One thing I didn't like about this movie mm. was the choice to make him not hit anyone. He doesn't pimp slap anybody, even though oh, he's a yeah. pimp. And it's like this is a guy <laughs> who has done a lot of things in his life. And it's not like they like shied away from making him a despicable man. Like right. he, the, the one of the great successes of this movie is that you root for him despite the fact that he is the most irredeemably bad guy. Yeah, and that, that that's that's the thing. And it it felt like a line that maybe was too cliche mm. to like. There's a couple moments where he absolutely would have hit a a girl. Like, yeah, I guess I wonder if it's like we have to remember the historical context of 2005 that like you're coming off the back of like a, an era of like Chappelle show and the boondocks yep. that both would have had like pretty a pimp name Slickback. Yeah, yeah, like you would have had the pimp name Slickback. You would have had like uh, a, I feel like there was a Chappelle show pimp thing, too. But anyway, like the point Rick is, James that, like, slapped people. Yeah, yeah, yeah like jokes. It, it would have felt too much like a joke. It would have been hard. Yeah, I, I definitely Unless thought he, about that. The only way to push past that would be to have him like brutally beat somebody, right? And then you're gonna have some trouble getting me on board for his journey as an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I felt like it, it, right. I, I don't know if it was. Would whatever one it was, watching it now in twenty twenty two felt a little like they're pulling a punch. Mm-hmm. What I love about uh have we ever talked about He Got Game on this show? No. Uh He Got Game is an incredible film. Mm-hmm. But that's a movie about a guy who went to prison for something bad. And and what's so genius about a Spike Lee movie is that you can't excuse it right like he did a terrible thing and he's trying now to make up for it and there's a reason that his son doesn't want to forgive him uh and what i wish they kind of did was maybe set it up a little bit better where it's like he is a bad guy and he's trying to be better and this felt like it it's not that he was a pimp with a heart of gold exactly but like a little too much on that side yeah yeah, where it was like He's really a good guy, even though he's a pimp. Which is like, come on now. But then, like, I don't know. I mean, like, he also like he kicks that woman out, which is fine. Like, she she's an adult. That's that that she's too. choosing to be a piece of shit. You, but you it's feel like, like carrying the kid out after her. I was like, really. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a dad no, and I'm like sensitive rough. to this shit. When I saw him like carry the kid out, it was like, this is fucked. Well, this can't. is bad. <laughs> right. You can't like take her kid though. Sure. I Unless mean, it, it was his kid. And even then, that makes it worse. Uh, I don't know. That scene is rough. Yeah. But but even then, it's written in a way where it's like you kind of get it. Yeah, they <laughs> just like they just never like circle back to that. I guess is kind of my problem. Is like they never are like, hey, whatever happened to her or whatever. Yeah. Like I feel like they show her at the end listening to whoop that trick on Does the radio, it? but. Uh, 
it, you know, I don't know. They because it's like they they devote a lot of screen time to him playing the piano with the kid and like bonding with him. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I want a little more payoff from that than maybe like that he like has this relationship with this kid or something. Like, sure, I don't know. I I totally agree. There's a couple things like that. Also, the fact that I wanted him to, I wanted to see him be a pimp. Like, why why do why do they stick with him? Why Mm -hmm. have they ever stuck with? Did he like shoot a guy in the leg for them? Like, did he ever do anything? Like is he in control of this house? Like what is the dynamic there? Why do they respect him at all? Right. Um, and in this movie, he's just a sort of like teary eyed, like oaf who doesn't really do anything except like get the worst guys to come fuck them for $20. Yeah. And it's like, they could do that. Yeah. Which again is not enough money. No, <laughs> again, not enough money. Uh, but that's the thing is that like, it felt like not only was he a pimp, but like, like not to not to excuse what pimps do but they do have a purpose yeah and like sometimes they're very valuable and they know their value um and that seems completely lost on this movie mm-hmm. um and that i didn't love about it i felt like they they didn't want to show it like that he would like they didn't want to give you any hint that he should continue being a pimp or whatever, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. or that. So they just kind of avoided it. There's a couple of things that feel very 2005 about it. That's what I, I guess that's what I'm like feeling is that they're a little bit shying away from being like, it's, you know, the political aspects of like, is it okay? Or can we be, it's a little too PC, I think. Yeah. Um, but otherwise as a music movie and as a movie, yeah, I was gonna about, say, it's a better, it's a good it's a good movie about music. It's an okay movie about pimping. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty decent movie. I thought, yeah. uh, everyone, we didn't really talk about the performances, but the performances are all very, good. they're all very good. Uh, yeah. ludicrous is very good. Yeah. I don't think Pens- there's anybody who doesn't put in a pretty good shift. The, the unsung hero of this movie though is Shug. Like she's incredible. She's out of this world. Yes. I don't know who that woman is. Actually, I'm going to look it up now. But like her her performance is so understated that I initially thought that she was maybe phoning it in at first. Uh, she. Uh, oh, is she on Empire? Uh, don't know. Uh, she's in Benjamin Button, um, yeah. I guess. She, oh, yeah. She's in Date Night. Oh, baby boy. Uh, she's in stuff. Uh, her name is. Taraji P. 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 Henson. Uh, And she's just so incredible. Like, at first I was like, she's just like this kind of sniveling, like fearful, like dog. She kind of is acting like a chihuahua or something Mm -hmm. like, like a, and then once the song happens and then like that, the scene in which the scene in which the other woman takes like, is like, I'm leaving or whatever. And he tosses her out. Right. Like Suge's performance makes that scene like elevates it to like a bazillion. Yeah. When she's just like, she, her, her, her reaction to that scenario reminds me of, uh, um, what's her name? Tony, the, the woman in hereditary, the mom after the, after the, oh yeah, after yeah, Charlie yeah. dies, like she's she's acting like that level of grief. Uh, it's crazy. It's so good. 
Um, but everyone's really good. The especially her and uh, Anthony Anderson's wife, I thought was really good. Like her sort of very understated concern was really believable to me. Mm-hmm. She was just like, I I want you to do whatever you know. I want you to tell me the truth. I want you to do whatever you want to do. And he's like, I know what you want to hear. You know, like yeah, all that stuff. And then bringing bringing over the, the fucking sandwiches. the sandwiches, so good, wonderful stuff. Uh huh. And Terrence Howard. Also very good mm-hmm. as this sort of <laughs> he feels a little out of place in time. Like I didn't I don't know if but like they cut to a party where like everyone's wearing tall tees and like big jeans and yeah, you know yeah, bapestas yeah. and stuff, but he's wearing like leather and silk and uh-huh. his hair is curly. I'm like, why? Why yeah, what's going on? Like, what t- <laughs> what time period? What like, year is? Why is he? I guess like I don't know pimps, so maybe that's just pimp culture. I don't know. Yeah, but no, there's no other pimps that he's like emulating. Yeah, so. I kind of yeah, maybe that would have helped that a little bit. Is like because again, it's like you see the tall tees and you're like, that's 2005. This feels like 2005. But maybe if we saw one other pimp, yeah, just that one other help. guy, and they like dapped each other up or something, or they like, just like you know they like drive past each other and they're like, we don't like each other, or like we're not something. on the territory. Or whatever. Give me yeah. another pimp just to be like, okay, I get it. Pimps but are like this, and they they want people to know that or something. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's flaws. I think it it's not a perfect movie. It's certainly no Jackass forever. It's certainly no Jackass forever. <laughs> but it's a it is a uh, emotionally reaches some highs that I wasn't expecting it to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was good. Yes, I recommend it. I recommend it. Great. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of Generation Loss about hustle and flow. Um, what are we watching next week? What are we watching next week? Is okay. this the one that you were thinking about swapping out? No, no. Out? This is the one I do want to watch. Uh, so my initial... I want to explain. <laughs> Go ahead. My, my initial my initial thought for Black History Month when we decided let's do it Black History Month month uh, was to watch some movies that I wouldn't necessarily throw on because they might be heavy. Uh, stuff I wanted to check out because I heard about them from like... Um, like IndieWire best of the year lists. Sure. You know, like stuff that it's like, I know this is going to be good because everyone says it's good. Uh, but I don't know if I want to put on something that isn't super fun. You know, that's because yeah. it's the pandemic and I don't always want to sit down and watch a heavy movie. So I thought I'd throw those on. I put two on, but I'm going to change the last one. So, but you'll see what that's because I don't want to watch that one is my might not even be fun to talk about but this one's called test pattern and it's from 2019 all right uh, and it's a movie about it's it's directed by a young uh woman who uh i believe it's sort of a true-ish story about her and her boyfriend going to get an abortion yeah. um and i don't think it's gonna be like it's not like lots of death or anything, but I think it's just going to be a little heavy in an indie movie. So I have no idea what it's going to be like, but I think I'm excited to watch this one. Yeah. Um, last of the month, it will be more fun. Um, but I, I, you know, if you've heard of this movie, like I have, uh, I, I hope you tune in to hear what we're going to say about it. Cause I have no idea what I'll say. <laughs> Cause I've never even seen it. Uh, anyway, 
That's it. That's all. Thanks so much for listening to Generation Loss. If you'd like to hear more of our show, and if you'd like to hear our review of the best movie of the year, Jackass Forever. Possibly the best movie of the decade. Uh, <laughs> uh, already. It's only already. Really two years <laughs> two in. Two years in. <laughs> uh, unless there's a Jackass 5. Um, very possible. Very possible. Uh, we'll talk all You'll about that. You'll hear all about that You'll in the bonus episode. You'll hear all about that on the bonus episode if you go to patreon.com slash generationloss, where we do a bonus episode every week and have done for most of the run of this show and you'll hear all those episodes there you can give us five dollars a month and hear them all and you can also get access to the discord where we uh hang out and talk about movie news and uh show the movie that we're going to talk about on monday yeah can't stress this enough by the way that brain and i do hang out in the discord yeah you can we really don't we don't stress that enough that we actually do hang out and chat in there there's been there's a lot of discords that I subscribe to or the people I'm subscribing to are they do announcements and sometimes talk but if you want to talk to us we're in there yeah we are we are <laughs> wasting time yeah. in there <laughs> I mean I'm probably less than Jeremy yeah but I will respond to literally anything anybody <laughs> says in t- there if you tag me I'll respond yeah uh and you're welcome to um so if you if you got something to say to me Fucking say it to my face on Discord. (laughs) You fucking coward. Get on Discord. And I really can't stress this enough also. We are 15 patrons away from Bryn watching season three of The Sopranos. Yeah, so tell your friends to go to patreon.com slash generation loss. And you yourself do it too, by the way, because this is the regular episode. Right, so you're probably... You probably statistically statistically. haven't done it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we'll do Sopranos season... Statistically, you haven't even heard the first two episodes. That's true, too. And that makes you very lame. A loser. A fucking <laughs> loser. So why don't you go to patreon.com, give us $5. Give us a little $5. Listen to the fucking episode. It's a fun time. Uh, yeah, watch the movies on on the Sunday night. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. We will see you next time. Bye.